0: sve karmani avirataha samsiddhim lavate naraha Bhagawan says that one who engages in performing one's svabhavik karma, natural spontaneous actions according to one's own nature, then slowly, steadily the mind becomes pure and the person becomes fit. For gaining their self-knowledge. So one should never give up one's swabhavik karma. <coughs> Sadoshamapi Natya Jait. Shreyan Swadharma Vigunaha. Paradharmat Swanushtitat. Swabhavaniyatam Karma Kurvan napnoti kilbisham Bhagavan says that it is better to do one's own swabhavik karma than to imitate someone else. By performing our swabhavik karma, we won't incur any sin. Our mind will become pure. So after gaining this purity by following sincerely the path of karma yoga, how can we gain that nishtha in our own self? How can we gain that supreme state of enlightenment? Bhagavan says, I will tell you. So siddhim prapto yatha brahma tathap Sama se kaunteya nishthat jnanasya is supreme jnana nishtha Abidance in that knowledge. Abidance in the self. All the confusions and all the false uh, assumptions are dropped and one gains that full abidance in the self. How one gains it? After gaining that purity of the mind Bhagwan says, I will tell you briefly. So he tells briefly in the following verses. Verse number fifty-one. Buddhya visuddhaya yuktaha. Dratya Tmanami Yamyacha. Shabda deen Vishayan's
1: Tektwa. Shabda
0: deen tektwa. Yacha. Yacha. niyam Bhagavan gives some steps here after gaining that uh, purity and uh, preparing now for our final state of enlightenment. He said buddhya vişuddhaya yuktaha, one who is endowed with that pure intellect, Vishuddha buddhi. Buddhi has got this ability to discriminate. <coughs> So there is something called the worldly intellect, Tikshna-buddhi, and something called Sukshma-buddhi, and also something called Shuddha-buddhi. So in case of worldly discrimination, we require Tikshna-buddhi, what you call very sharp intellect, which helps us to understand two things of this world very distinctly. But in the spiritual field, what we require is a subtle intellect. Sukshma buddhi, which help us to discriminate between the self and that which is not the self. Atma, Anatma, Vivek. I and not I. Nitya and Anitya, Vivek. For that, we require what we call sukshma, subtle intellect which comes through uh, developing the sattvagoona and also by following the initial sadhana one developed this sukshma buddhi that one is able to understand who am I and what I am not. See there are those very intelligent people in the world and who have very sharp intellect and will be able to understand the secrets of this world in the field of science and literature. But where it comes to spirituality, they fail if they don't have the subtle intellect. It's like our Gurudev is to give example of an axe. Axe is required to, let us say, cut a tree. Sharp axe is required. But even however sharp the axe might be, you cannot use it to uh, shave. For shaving, you require a nice sharp blade. In the same way, a stikshna intellect is like that axe, which is used in the worldly affairs. If you want to know where you have to invest, you want to know where is, which is a good place for shopping, if you want to know what is the difference between uh, one object and another object, one material and another material. People go for shopping, they are quite talented people, I tell you, and they can tell the difference, I say, but when it comes to understanding the self, they are totally zero. So for recognizing the self, the buddhi should become subtle. It has to, see, uh, you know, a smart buddhi is like a horizontal it understands the world, but the subtle intellect is vertical, like it, from not self to self. It's like if you give an example of the circle and the center, the sukshma, I mean the Tiksna buddhi or sharp buddhi is one which moves on the, on the circumference. But the sukshma buddhi is one who can leave the circumference and move toward the center. It's a journey from the outside to the within. From that which is false to that which is true. From asat to sat. Asatoma, sadgamaya, tamasoma, jyotirgamaya, mrityurma, amrutangamaya. So for that one requires a suksh, sukshma buddhi and shuddha buddhi. Shuddha-Buddhi is one which is endowed with good values, like Amanitvam, Adam-Bhitvam, sakshan all those values which were mentioned in the 13th chapter, what was mentioned as Jnanam there, those values when we have in our intellect, means when the intellect appreciates and accepts and is convinced about these higher values, then that intellect is called Shuddha. Like ahimsa, when the intellect should be convinced, it is not an action, it is a deep conviction and through that conviction then the outer expression is there. Just by outwardly trying to be non-violent doesn't make the intellect non-violent. Intellect should be non-violent and intellect is non-violent when it is convinced about non-violence. So having these values makes the intellect subtle, I mean, uh, pure and having the ability to discriminate between what is not self and the self, is, makes the intellect sukshma or subtle. So this, Bhagavan says, after gaining the purity sadharan purity through karma yoga, one should strive to develop the intellect and make it sukshma this happens through the study of the scriptures, through satsang we come to develop this sukshma buddhi, vinnu satsanga na hoi, so, also says that without satsang that vivek shakti doesn't uh, arise, that ability to discriminate between the self and the not self, just as in music also, those who are expert, they can uh, Understand the subtle difference of uh, of swaras and of rag, of whatever, of tal, of bhav. Hmm. Subtle difference, but those who are totally ignorant, uh, for them everything is same. May not understand the subtle difference. Somewhere I heard that uh, if a great singer if he or she doesn't practice regularly, even for a few days, people will not understand, but he or she will understand herself. But when she doesn't practice for a week, or two, two weeks, or three weeks, then others will also understand. So, subtle difference to understand we require that buddhi, and this atmanatma, which discriminates is called sukshma buddhi, so it arises through satsang, through study of the scriptures, to contemplating on them, spending time, see even to get one simple degree in this world, we have to spend so much time, we don't just go to college or school and all and just sit and relax, we come home, we study, sometimes we go to tuition special classes. If we have not understood certain point, we go to the teacher and ask, or we refer, or nowadays we go on the net and check. But in case of spirituality, we feel we can just relax, listen, and then forget about it. That doesn't work. We have to contemplate and study. Therefore, our Pujya Gurudev started this uh, Gita Jnana Yadnya, wherein he insisted that everyone should sit with a book and study, Take down notes and study. It is a study class. Not a just a one way pravachan like. So, we have to develop that sukshma buddhi, buddhya, vişuddhaya, yuktaha, one who is endowed with this vişuddha buddhi and sukshma buddhi then with proper perseverance, dhriti, with perseverance and fortitude, that's called Dhriti sattvic dhriti which we have seen earlier, so with that sattvic Dhriti one should control the self here the self means the body Dhriti atmanam niyam yacha controlling the body now this is a preparation for meditation and the final dive into the supreme so with dhairya with fortitude controlling the body, means having the ability to keep the body still. The body, when it moves, the senses also move and the mind also moves. Once Gautam Buddha was giving pravachan to his disciples and he was talking about some subtle points, very sukshma and then he was about to explain it in detail and then suddenly he stopped, and he said, I will continue tomorrow, I will explain this tomorrow. So disciples were little confused. So afterwards they approached him, they said, why didn't you continue, because we had time and you could have just concluded, continued with it. He said, as I was speaking, I saw that all, some of you were getting little restless, your body was moving. There was movement in your bodies. Not the head moment, but the other moment also. <laughs> huh. That means you are not totally hundred percent focused. So if you are not hundred percent focused, you will not appreciate what I am saying. So I will say it next time when you are focused. So it is so for the body to uh, to help us, it should be under our control. When we sit for meditation, the body should be like it can be left alone. It should, it should not demand attention. When there is something wrong with the body, or when our attention, our desires or some thoughts arises of the world, then it demands attention. Our attention goes there, goes out. So body should be absolutely free from that demand. When we are sitting for meditation, body should not say, Todasa so scratch karomirku, "Thoda sa so change the position. It should just one should totally be unaware of it. So that is with fortitude, with perseverance, one should control the body. So, Driti atmanam, niyam, yacha. Then, shabdadin, vishayan tectva. ragadvesha dveshav, vidas, So, this is again settler's uh, thing. This is all in the seat of meditation. Bhagavan says that dropping, giving up, shabdadin, Vishaya, Vishayam the, all the objects of the senses, like sound, etc. Shabda, Sparsha, Rupa, Rasagandha, these are the five objects of our senses. And they, uh, what you call, uh, when one becomes aware, when one gains the stimuli, then it also attracts the mind and also attracts the buddhi. Suppose you are sitting for meditation and then you hear a nice music, Huh? So it comes as sound. Then it is uh, recognized by the buddhi. was hai. Then you start contemplating on it. Yes, yes, that was that. That hero was jam- dancing in this song, and heroine was also there, and they were moving around the trees. Good old days. There's to more around the trees. Nowadays all trees are cut, so they can't move around trees, (laughs) so they have to move around all uh, concrete structures. Hmm? So one thinks about it, so the sound came, then the recognition of the sound, actually all the, it comes in the form of sound only, then we recognize it, then we uh, respond to it, the mind responds to it in the form of emotion. In a subtle way it responds. Actually, sometimes we ourselves may not be aware that mind has responded to it. It's very interesting. Like we get a particular fragrance, or we see something, or we feel on the level of the body, the mind responds in the form of pleasure, like, dislike. Sometimes we ourselves might not be aware of our mind's response. Sometimes you may pass through a particular area or go to a particular place and when you come back, your mood is little off because mind has responded to that uh, situation in a negative way and you start wondering, but mind responds. So the response of the mind to the outer stimuli is the emotions and then the intellect start judging, analyzing comparing, condemning, suppressing, encouraging, hmm, all those things the intellect does. Intellect is like the uh, big, uh, what you call, master there, who, who judges and controls the whole situation. So all this happens when we take in the uh, outer stimuli. So when one sits for meditation, one should be able to drop the outer stimuli uh, from entering our system. This was said in the fifth chapter also, Bhagwan had uh, mentioned about this, hmm. that one should drop the Shabda vishaya. Drop means that when the it comes, what you call, we can't stop the sound and all these things stimuli from coming, but one should not involve the intellect into uh, analyzing and, and judging the sounds. Mind you cannot help, therefore, if we are sitting in a naturally good environment, then the response of the mind will also be positive. If you are sitting in our, our own puja room, or in a temple, or in an ashram, or in a very holy place or natural environment, then the response of the mind to that environment will be positive. But otherwise you can't help the response of the mind. But you can control the intellect from judging and comparing and condemning all those things. Intellect need not give any... Intellect is busy in... uh, uh, focusing attention on the self, so one should uh, not should totally drop all the outer stimuli from entering the system. That we have to do with our internal mechanism only. Just as in computer, you have those uh, antivirus and all. Those internal mechanism, they I don't know how they fight, but they fight very well. Yeah. Similarly, this intellect is an internal mechanism, which doesn't allow the outer stimuli to come and and uh, and make it think, or make it active. And this can be practiced, like even when we are not meditating, we can practice it by by looking at things, but not not judging, not comparing. Unconditional awareness-like. You look, but don't have to give commentary on it. This we can try. It is, uh, some people have the habit of giving commentary on anything, everything. But one should be able to, this is helpful for meditation. If you are a commentator, it's a different story, and you can do your work. But during meditation, one should not give any commentary. Means should be able to experience the world with our eyes open when we experience the world. Look at a tree, but don't name the tree. Don't compare the tree. Don't try to put theories on the tree. See the senses what it shows is a fact. Emotions what it responds is also a fact. But the intellect what it talks about is just a theory, a philosophy. Just uh, something which it keeps saying. Like, uh, for example, this flower. Flower is a fact of this world, and the senses are looking at it, and the mind also responds with certain emotions. That's it. That's everything is natural. But then to call it a rose, and to say that it is of this color, and hai, waisa hai, ye hai, wo hai, that is all extra luggage which we pour it on this object, which creates agitation, which creates illusion, which creates uh, a screen. So if we are able to experience the object without condemning or without naming or without uh, doing anything with the intellect, then we can achieve that state of dropping the outer stimuli completely and not allowing it to interfere with our meditation process. By going into a soundproof room and all, it might uh, prevent the sound from coming, but uh, if the intellect is not uh, trained, it will keep thinking about that also. Sometimes it becomes more irritating Sometimes when the sound is not coming also. One fellow is to stay on a double story uh, that apartment, and this uh, person is to come every day drunk and late, and is to go on the top floor, and then he will remove his shoes and bang it on the on the floor, which was wooden and all, and then go to sleep. So the person who was staying below was getting disturbed. So it, every day is he to hear that exactly at that time this fellow will come. Then he will remove that shoes and bang it on the day. Then remove the other one, dam karke and gram gram karke and so jata tha. So this fellow is to get up every day at one o'clock or something when he used to come. So he told him that please don't make such sound and all. I get disturbed. I have to wake up then. And till you go to sleep, then I fall asleep. So he said, yes, I will be careful. Next day again, he came drunk. And he made some sound also. Then he removed one shoe and he, out of habit he did it. Then suddenly he realized, this fellow is there. He is getting disturbed. The other shoe he removed very softly without making noise slowly he kept it, and slowly. Now I went and slept on the bed. Now this fellow, when he dhammed, he got up and then he was waiting for the other shoe to (laughs) come. Now the other shoe will fall but it did not. There was total silence. He was waiting. (laughs) And he did not, and he was so disturbed, whole night he did not sleep. <laughs> Next day he asked, kya baat hai, "Aapne nikala ne? He said, nikala, silently. So even sometimes silence can be disturbing, or sound can be disturbing. But if the intellect is trained and educated, we will be able to drop the outer stimuli completely. So, Shabdaadin Vishayan's Taktva, having got the outer stimuli of Shabdadi, Shabdaspar Parasagandha, the inner journey. Therefore, in our temples also, you will find the outer, outer compound of the temple will be with lot of figures and lot of things will be there. But as you go inside the temple, those figures will be less and less. And in the sanctum centurium, there is only one that murti will be there which will be illumined by the little diya in front of the murti. Similarly, as we enter our system, we should drop all the outer stimuli and should be able to go deep within and recognize that self. So, Shabdadin vishayans tektva Raga Dvesha Vidasa and also dropping raga and dvesha. Raga is attachment or or liking and Dvesha means dislike. This is also a tendency of the senses, of the mind and also of the intellect with respect to the world outside strong likes and dislike about things, about people, about situation, and that disturbs the mind, and that disturbs the inner equipment. So one should be able to, when one takes that inner journey, one should be able to drop both the like and the dislike with respect to the world. Because what we like is also uh, illusion and what we dislike is also an illusion only. The whole world is of the same, as far as the worldly behavior is concerned, we can discriminate, we can say this is good, this is bad and all. But when we take the inner journey, we have to drop both the concept of likes and dislikes, both the concept of good as well as bad, transcend this both and take up the inner journey. So this journey is taken by those who have followed sincerely the path of Karma Yoga and purified the mind. This is very important. In the sixth chapter also Bhagwan told Arjuna first that one should follow the path of Karma Yoga and then only started talking about Dhyana. Many people want to directly meditate, it's not possible. One has to first purify the mind. By following the path of Karma Yoga and then take up this inner journey by making the buddhi sukshma through proper satsang and study of the scriptures. Then control the body, drop the, all the, all the sense stimuli from entering and disturbing the intellect, drop the sense of likes and dislikes and take up the inner journey, dive within. Jannah is not complete, but one continues in the next verse. Vivekta sevi lagvashi, yatavakkaya manasaha, dhyana yoga paro nityam. Vairagyam samupashritaha. Vairagyam samupashritaha. Vivekta sevi lagvashi. manasah dhyāna yoga paro nityam. Vairagyam samupashritaha. Uh, some more uh, important points. He says that, uh, Vivekta sevi. One should uh, uh, be in solitude, one should uh, resort to solitary place for this dhyana. It is uh, not only physical solitude, but also the mind, the intellect, all should become free from all the relationship and accumulation and, and the connection with the world. Even like our, our mobile, it might be sitting very silently there, in front of you, or during pravachan, people keep so silent, oh, so nice, as though it is meditating. But when it will start ringing, nobody knows. Why? Because it is still connected. It is connected to the world. It is not disconnected. It might be in silence, but it is still connected. To disconnect is a different thing altogether. So in case of meditation, it is not that we should keep our system in silence, not that we should keep uh, in some other tune and all, but it should be disconnected from the worldly uh, stimuli disturbing us. That is called Vidhikta Sevi, Solitude. It might take some few days or a few time, if we are totally crowded with people or all the time surrounded by people, it might take its own time to become free of the people from your mind. Sometimes people remain in your head for a long time. If you check your head, you will find a lot of people are there moving around in your head. Therefore our heads sometimes feel heavy because there are heavy people also so lot of people are there our relatives our friends their dialogues their stories their habits their uh, all their lifestyle everything is there in the head society in which we live huh? delhi or the state or whatever the politics everything the news the various channels the various uh, serials All this remain in our head. It doesn't get uh, uh, deleted very easily. See, like our computer, things uh, you keep on doing and it gets stored. Similarly, every experience is stored and it is stored in the, I don't know what language they use in computer, in that uh, temporary file. In our system also it gets stored in that and it is constantly that bothers us. So, solitude is very important. If we can, if we are serious, if we are sincere about enlightenment then this solitude is very important. Solitude means one has to drop everything and go in a solitary place, free from all things. Don't have to give your address also to people. They will send something by VPP or something. So no address, no nothing. Even the crows should not reach that place, or the kabutars should not reach. Otherwise, they might send something. So, vivikta sevi. This very, very important and interesting. Uh, there are some places where even there is a special uh, arrangement done for the seekers who want to be in solitude, like in in gujarat in ahmedabad and all i must have told you there are some places where you they give you a room totally closed from every side only the windows will be there on top for just the air circulation inside the bathroom everything is there and there will be one window which has got two openings one from outside one from within and through that they will give you regularly food and wash your clothes or whatever is required but you cannot see that person you cannot talk to anyone and you can spend your time there only for weeks together, days together, months together these are very, what you call such things are also there, uh, so Vivicta sevi, free from, otherwise we are among, along with people And it doesn't help. This is a journey which we have to take alone. We can't carry people with us. We have to take this journey alone. So, vivikta sevi. Then, Bhagwan says, the habit which one should have, one should develop in order to become good, in order to uh, progress on our meditation, path of meditation. Bhagwan says, lagvashi. Lagwashi means should eat less. Hmm? Should eat less. Laghu Ashi. means khan. Should be why? Because the more you eat, the more the whole energy of the body is required to digest it and all those things. And one feels more sleepy also. One feels more lethargic and lazy and all those things. So as, and for a person who is following this path of meditation, all the physical activity and other activity are not there. So all those extra energy, food is not required for the body. So the minimum whatever is required, one can eat and then just spend time in meditation, in diving deep. Yatavakkayamanasaha Controlling vak, kaya and manasaha. Vak means um, the speech, kaya is the body and manasaha is the mind. Controlling the speech. Controlling speech means making the mind, making the speech absolutely silent, only speaking if something is required, otherwise one should be silent. if you observe, you will find that your speaking continues even when you are so called silent. You Now all of you are sitting here in your mind, in your what you are speaking, good, I can't hear. Continuous commentary and all must be going on. We speak. The speech should become absolutely silent. It is an instrument. One need not be all the time using the instrument. One can keep it down. That ability to keep our instrument down should be there, should, should be there in our, uh, in our hand. I had read one actually, once I happened to read, not the whole book, but in some uh, bookshop, Meditation for Dummies. Interesting title and interesting book. And there, there was one cartoon. That the disciple was sitting there and the teacher was guiding the disciple for meditation, so teacher was saying okay now you relax your body, close your eyes, relax your body and relax your arms and relax your palms and let go, let go of the mobile you are holding. He was holding, that cartoon ocean, he was holding, clutching onto the mobile and meditating. So, let go of it. So, yata walk. So, we should be able to keep the instrument down. That ability one should develop, because these are all instruments, our walk, our hands, our legs, organs of action, we should be able to shut it down. So, walk, a lot of, uh, like if you follow the uh, maunam and all, practice it, slowly and steadily the walk can come under our control. We speak only when it is required. Otherwise, no. Within also. See, there was one mind reader. He used to read minds. So one day he wanted to read the mind of a master, a realized master, Mahatma. So he went there and he sat in front of him, trying to read his mind. He said he is to read within within one minute. He is to read. He sat for one minute, two minutes, one hour, two hours. Later on, someone asked him that, "What did you read? What was he thinking?" He said he was not thinking anything. His mind was so silent that I could not hear anything. I could not read anything. There was nothing. Absolutely, absolute stillness. Only when there was some communication required, the master will speak. Otherwise, he is silent. There is no need to prepare your speech. To interact with the world, you don't have to prepare. It's not giving a talk or something. Even giving a talk, you don't have to prepare. So just spontaneously is to speak. Someone asked a realized master, that how do you answer questions? People ask you question and you answer. What happens? What is? What happens in your mind when question is asked? He said, my mind is like a lake of still waters. And when a question is asked, it is like a little pebble thrown into the lake. And the ripples are generated those are the answers to that question. And after the answer is given, again the lake becomes silent, becomes still. So that ability to control our tongue, as Swami Vivekanandji says, that if we can only control our tongue, we can control the whole world at ease. Controlling tongue is a very important sadhana. Tongue is, has got a lot of uh, uh, portfolios. See, each uh, like those ministers and all, they are given some portfolios. Our tongue is given two, three portfolios. It has got the ability to speak, it has got the ability to taste and touch also. So, it has uh, all this uh, ability, therefore, it is very powerful. So, if we can control our tongue, we will be able to control. Our whole personality also. If we observe that our, when we meditate and all the tongue keeps on moving, so it has to be kept absolutely still. Either touching the top of our, uh, what is it, palate, palette or just let it remain still. Yoga is to concentrate. Achy. Ekagri Karanam and Dhyana means uh, thoughts of the Self. Atma Swarupa Chintanam Yoga. Atma Eva Ekagri Karanam. So Dhyana is to think about the Self. Whatever we have studied, we should bring that in our mind. And think of the self. When we think of the self, the attention goes there. Our attention goes where what we are thinking. So thinking is just to shift our attention. If you think of the rose, the attention goes on the rose. If we think of the self, the attention goes on the self. But you can think of the self if you have studied the scriptures and have contemplated on it. So the scriptures indicate, a lot of indicators of the self are there. Ajam nirvikalpam, nirakaramekam, so all these indicators are there. So with the help of them, we have to think of the self and focus our all our attention and thoughts on the self. That is called Dhyana Yoga, focusing our thinking of the self and then paying attention on that self. Hmm. For example, is your attention now on your, what do you call, thumb? When I said thumb, then your attention might have gone there. But before I said, your attention was not on the thumb, unless it is hurting. So when I said thumb, then the attention went there. So, the thought of thumb, the word thumb, the thought of thumbs makes us shift our attention. Similarly, the thought of the self as generated, as given to us by the scriptures, make us shift our attention on the self. To keeping our attention on the self is called dhyana. In the sixth chapter also, Bhagwan said, Ki, um, yato yato nishcharati manas chanchalam astiram tatastato tato niyam metada atmani eva vasham nayet shane shane Ruparamed, buddhya dhrati grihitaya atma sanstam mana kritva na pish, slowly and sterily shane shane ruparamet withdraw your attention from the world uh, buddhya dhrati grihitaya with your buddhi with the power of discrimination and with firmness, withdraw your attention and focus it on the self. And once it is focused on the self, don't think anything else. Then drop your thinking. Thinking is just a vehicle to shift our attention. Atma-sanstam-manakritva na chintayet. Thinking is just a vehicle. So once we have reached that attention, then the thoughts are dropped. But first we take the help of the thought. Like we have those meditation verses, they're the thoughts, they generate thoughts which help in shifting our attention to our self. And there are two types of, one is withdrawing from what is not self and focusing on the self. Like the famous meditation verse, that uh, Nirvana Shatakam of Bhagavan Shankaracharya. Mano buddhya nacha citta ninaḥam Naca shrutra jivve, Naca natejo navāyuhu Chidananda rūpa shivoham shivoham So, I am not this, not the mind, not the intellect, not the senses, not the world and all And Chidananda, who am I? Chidananda rūpa shivoham shivoham I am that pure consciousness the witness of all the three states of experience, the 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 one which is never born nor does it die, changeless, immutable. Those are the just words which help me to shift my attention on myself. And once that attention is focused on the self, then you drop the thoughts then you don't have to take their help, then their job is done, then you just remain silently. But even if the attention again shifts somewhere, then again take help of the thoughts to shift the attention on the self. This is meditation. If you understand, very good. If you don't understand, also very good. But this is what it is. You contemplate, think, understand, and follow this path. This is the direct path which Bhagwan has revealed very beautifully. And this is authentic. See, in the name of meditation, nowadays people teach anything. Everything under the sun is taught in the name of meditation. But those things are not authentic. If they are not in tune with what Bhagwan is saying, then they are not authentic. Then they are nakli malek. You should check whether this ISI mark is there or not.
1: If
0: it is there, because here whatever Bhagavan says in Gita, it is in tune with the Upanishads and in tune with the realized masters. So it is very authentic. Even great masters like Bhagwan Ramana Maharshi who has recognized the self, he says whatever is said in Gita is very true. I am experiencing what is said in the Upanishad is very true. So Dhyana Yoga Paraha Nityam Paraha is totally engaged in Dhyana Yoga. A person should remain absolutely engaged in Dhyana Yoga, Nityam, constantly. It requires constant meditation. The final journey one has to take up sincerely. It's a last, what you call the last step. The final uh, journey has to be taken sincerely. Hmm. So once one takes that nityam, vairagyam samapashavitaha, and what helps us in this journey is vairagya taking support of vairagya, taking refuge in vairagya. Vairagya if we have, then the journey becomes absolutely smooth. Vairagya means total dispassion towards the world, towards all that is false. Dispassion towards the false, dispassion towards anatma, vairagya. If one has got a lower type of vairagya, then one reaches what we call Sravikalpa Samadhi But when one has got a higher vairagya, param vairagya, Then one reaches that state of nirvikalpa Samadhi Nirvikalpa means all duality comes to an end If lower type of vairagya is there, then one may attain some stillness of the mind But again, after some time, again one is distracted But if one has got a higher vairagya, then we can take the final jump, final leap into the Supreme. So vairagyam samupashritaha is like going into sleep. So when we are not very sleepy or we have not uh, given up our attraction for the world, we are worried about something, thinking, planning, then we can't go into sleep. Ne? But when we give up uh, the world, in Pravachan also, when we give up the Chalukkonsonagai uh, Pravachan, we drop, we gain Vairagya towards the Pravachan, towards everything, then we get a good sleep actually. But if you if you are interested in knowing what I am saying, you have all agenda of the world, then you can't sleep. Similarly, lower vairagya means still agenda is there left in the world. Still you have something to do, something to gain, something to respond and react and transact in the world is still there. Then it is not possible to dive deep and become one with our own self. But if one has got this higher vairagya, then one can. Vairagya means total freedom or dropping of all desire for any bhoga in the world outside. No attraction, no sensual attraction, nor the emotional attraction, nor intellectual attraction towards the world of names and forms. That is Vairagya. When it is there then one can jump into this, this is the final, final uh, what you call, uh, final what, final leap. There used to be a program on television, what's the good word, so that's a good word, final leap. Still one more verse is there actually. So this is the final leap, huh? So the next verse is the final, final leap. Aham karam balam darpam, kamam krodham parigraham, vimucca nirmam shantah brahma bhuyaya kalpate brahma bhuyaya kalpate ahankaram balam darpam Kāmam krodham
1: Parikram
0: priyom chayati brahma bhuyaya kalpate ah bhagwan says ahankaram ego balam strength, darpa, pride, kamam, desires, krodham, anger, parigraham, holding, sense of possessiveness, Vimucha having dropped all of them, nirmamaha, becoming free from the sense of possession, shantaha, becoming absolutely silent, when such a state is reached, Bhagwan says Brahma Bhūyāya Kalpate Such a person becomes fit to become Brahma, to experience that Brahma, to become one with Brahma, to reach the final state of enlightenment. This is the condition for the final state of enlightenment. If one wants to reach, and that itself is the state of meditation or that Samadhi, or the state of enlightenment. What is it? One should be in this, in this uh, state of meditation should be able to drop all this. It is more of dropping than on holding because we are already that self. We are already that Brahma. Only some covering or some, some obstacle is there which has to be dropped. So what is the obstacle? What are the obstacles? One is Ahankaram. Ahankar is a sense of I. I am the doer, this attitude. The limited sense of I. Ahankar is also I. But this I is made up of thoughts and emotions and ideas. It's a thought created personality hankar is a thought-created personality and it keeps on modifying and changing. What I think of myself in the state of ignorance is called hankar. I am a human being. I am a man. I am a u- woman. I am a, what you call young, old. I am a Hindu, Muslim. I am an Indian. Whatever you add to that I, Anything if it is, anything if added to that I, that is the ahankar, I mean that whole thing unit is called ahankar, I am so and so. And all these are nothing but thoughts, ideas, concept with respect to the objective world. So this is ahankar. Suppose you are... uh, you are, let us say, you are in, uh, in, uh, let us say, which place? In Calcutta And you are near the Howrah Bridge. And you are enjoying the whatever scene it is there. I don't know what scene can be there. And then I meet you there. Each one imagine, huh? I meet you there in Howrah Bridge. And I ask you, what is the time? You check your watch and says it is five in the evening, 5 p.m. Then I tell you that listen, Mr. or Mrs. or whoever, so and so, that it is actually 3 a.m. and you are not here at Howrah Bridge. You are in Delhi. You are in your room you are lying down on your bed. When I tell you that, you will look at me as though you know where the person is coming from. All these things you might think in your mind. You will not accept it, you will not believe it. But suppose when I am telling it, suddenly something happens, and you wake up, and you find yourself in your room, then you will believe, then you will say, yes, Swami Ji sahi said it right, Similarly, the scriptures are now telling us that you are not what you are thinking, you are not here You are not this body, you are not in this world, you are not what you are thinking, you are that Brahma But we don't believe, but rare few people believe and then follow. To believe what the scriptures are saying is called Shraddha. It is not not acceptable, it is not understandable, but still to believe and follow it, it requires Shraddha. So that false personality which is there has to be deleted, has to be dissolved. Just as we create on internet also, we create personalities. Different sites or different, uh, even this social network uh, sites are there where you create a personality of yourself. How do you create? By using the material of the internet only. You have to, even you, you might have a photograph, you have to have a soft copy of it. So you cannot just stick that photograph on your computer screen. So you have to take the material from the internet And create your personality and sometimes you get tired of that you can dissolve that personality also you can just delete the whole thing and just dissolve it similarly this ahanka this I which I and you are feeling is an is a personality created by the material of this Prakriti of matter of sattva gun rajogun tamagun of thoughts emotions material personality, which is not my true nature, which is not who I am, really. This is just a screen, just an image, just a reflection of who I am. So through deep understanding, when I go follow this path of dhyana, when I understand who I am, then I drop all that is falsely attributed to myself. It, so that is called dropping the, our Bhagwan Ramana Maharshi says, if you just inquire who am I, this false I will get dropped automatically. Don't have to worry about it also. Aham ayam kuto bhavati chinvata ayi patatyah aham, aham patati, that aham falls down. And once that false I falls down, the real self shines forth. Ahamina Ahamaham aham aham taya, spurati rutsvayam paramapurna sat The real eye shines forth. So that is what is said here. It's not a physical action that we have to drop something and something we have to do. It is when the attention is shifted on the real self, then that false personality will just dissolve in front of us. So ahankaram. Vimucha dropping that ahanka. Then Balam, Balam is the strength. Strength here doesn't mean the strength of the body or mind or something. It is the strength which is cultivated because of our intense likes and dislikes. Raga and uh, Raga dvesha or the Kama, Raga we Kama and Raga. The strength which one gains when one has got a lot of desires and attachment. That desire and attachment gives a person a strength to hold on to this world. So that strength also Bhagavan says has to be dropped. See, like when we when we hold on to some object, to hold that object also we require strength. If I want to hold on to this What is it called?
1: Uh
0: Flower. So if I want to hold on to it, I require strength. So to drop that strength, to just let go, that is what is called balam, to drop all that strength which is required to hold on to this world outside. That is balam. Then darpam is garva. Is, uh, is a type of uh, pride because of which a person does some negative or adharmic thing also. So that pride also has to be dropped. Pride about our wealth, position, name, fame. All this pride also is dropped. Darpam. Kamam. Desires. See, when Ahankar is dropped, all of them will get dropped automatically, but all of them are mentioned separately. So Kamam, Kamam is desire, craving. Craving makes us uh, attached or makes us, keeps us connected to the world. When we have craving, then we are interested in the world and we are connected to the world. The craving for any worldly thing itself is dropped. I am not interested in the world. Not in the other world, nor in any object, or person, or place, in any status, or name, fame, everything is just dropped. That is called dropping all Kamana. Is uh, when that is dropped, one, the, all this, when it is dropped, one slips into uh, that state of Supreme Meditation or Turiya Avastha. So kamam, krodham, when the kama is dropped, krodha also gets dropped. Krodha is anger. Anger, when the kamna is not fulfilled, then the frustration or the experience which we get, emotion, what we get inside is called krodha. When there is obstacle in our kamna, fulfillment of our desires, so that is also dropped. Krodha which hold the parigraham, holding on to things of this world, collecting, accumulating objects of this world is called parigraham. That also Bhagavan says, one has to drop. So vimocya, ahankaram, balam, darpam, kamam, krodham, and nirmamaha, one should become free of the sense of mamatva. If ahankara, I am not there, then there is there is no my also. I and my go together. So as one dissolves that I, dissolves our own personality, dissolves our own limited personality, then all that belongs to that I also get dissolved automatically. Na mai na mera hai kuch. And when that my and mera get dissolved, maya itself is transcended. Maya is nothing but I and my. arumor maya. Jehi basakine So the concept of I and my itself is called maya. And that maya also get dissolved. I mean transcended. So nirmamaha. And when all these are dropped. Then what we experience. Then what state we reach is called shantaha the shanta is the very nature of that self only shantam shashvatam managam nirvana shanti pradam the shantam that is the very nature of that self so absolute peace peace that passes all understanding no disturbance Shantam. When this state of Shanti is reached, Bhagavan says, that person becomes fit for becoming Brahma. Means you become Brahma. You come to recognize yourself as Brahma. That's what is said, that be still and know that you are God. That stillness is this. When Ahankar, Valam, Darpam, Kamam, Krodham, Parigraham, Mamatva, all this is dropped, then that stillness which is there, That stillness will take us, which lead us to that state of enlightenment. Shantaha Brahma Bhuyaya Kalpate. The person becomes fit to become Brahma, to be Brahma. The knower of Brahma is Brahma. Knowing Brahma, knowing the self is not something remaining different from the self. Knowing the self is being the self. So, Ahankaram balam darpam kamam krodham parigraham vimucca nirmama brahma bhooyaya And once one attains the state of being brahma, then what? Then nothing. That is the final. And that itself is called para bhakti or that is itself is called param jnanam that is what bhagavan now says in the next verse brahma bhuta prasanna atma brahma bhuta prasanna atma na sarveshu bhuteshu mat bhaktim param Brahma bhuta prasannatma nashochati na kankshati saasa resu resu
1: majbattinga
0: Brahma bhuta, one who has literally it means become Brahma, yeah? Brahma prapti, one who has recognized that I am Brahma. I am Brahma. Brahma means big, Brahma means infinite at present that I one feel is confined into this body, is limited limited in space, time and object, but really that I is not limited by space, time, object, it's unlimited that unlimited I is called Brahma so when one recognizes that I am that Brahma, that is what is called Brahma have become Brahma so Brahma Bhūta Prasanna One attains that state of supreme prasannata, bliss. One attains the state of bliss. Atma, what you call prasad, state of bliss. One experience the state, one experience the bliss of the self. See all these words and all, they are defective in describing this. It is not that I remain separate and experience the bliss of the self. The self itself is of the nature of bliss. One becomes bliss. One becomes happiness. See, in the world we use I am happy. But here you cannot say I am happy. You have to say I am happiness. Not I am happy. I am happiness itself. So having become that happiness, then, na shochati na kaangshati. Then, of course, there is no sorrow. The person doesn't have any grief, nor does he have any desire. Any craving. Na, na Doesn't have any grief, nor does he have any desire. Na koi chahata hai, na koi dukh hai. Free from all sorrow, and free from all. He has become God. He is God. He or she, that he, she also gets dropped. God alone is there. Samas Sarveshu Bhuteshu, who is same in all beings. Who is not only in his, in this body, but is same in all beings. Samas Sarveshu Bhuteshu Samaha. Same in all beings. It is not that God is more at one place and less at another place. That realized master is more at one place and less. Everywhere. Hari sarvatra Samana. Everywhere it's the same. It is not that God is more in pilgrimage center or more in the temple or more in a realized master. God is same everywhere. Even in the worst person, same God is there. Samaha. Hmm. Samatvam. Samaha. Hmm. Nirdosham is Samam Brahma. That Brahma is Nirdosh and Samam. Samas Bhuteshu. Therefore the realized master also looks at all beings with the same vision as his own self. In the 6th chapter also we had seen ke atmo sarvatra yorjuna sukham sayogi paramo He looks at everyone as same as one's own self. Such a person, Bhagavan says, has reached the state of enlightenment or has reached the state of para bhakti. mad bhaktim lavate param attains the Parabhakti. In the seventh chapter, Bhagavan had said that there are four types of devotees, Artha, Artharti, Arthi, Jnani, Jidnyasu and Jnani. So this is the fourth type, the Parabhakti is the Jnani Bhakti, the one who has become one with God. Bhakti is love. The real love is when we become one with God. When we think I am different and God is different, then it is not complete love. Then still our love is incomplete. But when I and God becomes one, then it is para-bhakti. As Kabir Daji says, the, the gully is very narrow. Either I am there or God is there. Both cannot be there on that. So para-bhakti is when I dissolve in God. That God alone. God means Brahma. Brahma alone is there. That is called para-bhakti. That ahankar has dissolved into Brahma. Mad-bhaktim lavate-param. Just as the drop of water falls in the ocean, it becomes one with the ocean. You cannot say whether the ocean has become one with the drop or drop has become one with the ocean. It is all same. Only ocean alone is there. So like that, In this para-bhakti, that Bhagwan alone is there. Bhakta, Bhagwan, and bhakti has become one. So this state of knowledge is also called the state of supreme bhakti. So the word bhakti, jnana, and nashkarmi siddhi, all are same. They are talking about the same state of enlightenment. More we will see tomorrow.